I'm from South Carolina and the campus that I came from, campus I'm saying we're faithful to the Lord. Um, and so they have inherently changed probably all of our lives, not most of our lives in this room. Um, so I'm very excited to listen to Mary today. She talks about the disciplines of discipleship. She also has this book. It's called Learning to Walk in Discipline as a Follower of Christ. Discipline is so important in our walk with the Lord. Um, and it's it sounds scary, but it's really fun. I personally have not read this book, but it's highly endorsed by my campus pastor. And so I'm excited. You can go to um, wisdomhousepubs.com and order it. Um, or talk to your campus pastor and you can order, or they can order a bulk order. Um, and multiple people on your campus can get that. But please um, help me welcome Mary to the stage as she shares with us. Then we, um, it's a super 
super long story, so I won't bore you with the details, but to make it shorter, we, we laid down our scholarships and um, transferred back to Texas. And in retrospect, we see the hand of God leading us, but back then we just chose it because it was a school that had both of our majors and was in between his parents' house and Lake House. That's why he chose it. It was just Sam Houston State University. Has anybody ever heard of it? No. Nobody has ever heard of Sam Houston State University. But that's where we went, and we just thought, you know what? While we're still in college, let's just give people the same opportunity that we had when we were in school. I mean, when we first came to school, to meet Jesus, to walk with Jesus, and here we are still today. That was, that was some time ago, and God just so gradually, graciously called us to serve Him and walk with Him. And I'm telling you, these are some things that we've learned along the way. This has been 30 years of campus ministry, 31 years of walking with Jesus. That's kind of scary, isn't it? We were one year old in Christ when we planted our ministry. Wouldn't really recommend that, but unless God tells you to, then you should. But here's what I'm going to tell you today. This is something that I've watched thousands of students, just like all of us, just like all of you, come through our ministry over the years. And it, I, I alluded to this last night, it's been three decades. So some of the, our first students are now, I mean, I'm a grandma. Some of our first students are now really grown-ups. They're 45, they're 46, 47, 48, and all the way down. And if you get these things, you will keep on on this incredible trajectory of walking with God. And if you don't, it, it will hinder you tremendously on your trajectory. Does that make sense? These are just some simple things. This is what we're going to walk through. So let me just, before we even go further, oops, how do I do this? There, this is my family. Let me show you them. I mean, obviously that's me and Eli, but on this side with the polka dot dress, that's our oldest daughter, Katie. And her husband, Sam, and they're incredible children. You don't believe me, but being a grandparent is the greatest thing that's ever going to happen to you. So just wait. I love it. And then our younger daughter, Corey, and her husband, Jamin, all of them are Chi Alpha pastors. Katie and Sam are still in Texas, and Corey and Jamin are in New Mexico. And we're super proud of them. Okay, that's just so you know who we are. This is my blog. Isn't that so funny? I'm doing a commercial for my blog. But I, I think about... Um, I think about you all the time. I think about people who are trying to lead small groups. I think about students who are trying to walk with God, trying to learn to walk with God. You know who else I think about? Your parents. I have a lot of moms and dads who read my blog, and I love that. I, I just invite you to, to visit that. You might, you know, Gotro is not very easy to spell, is it? So sorry about that. But that's how you spell my name, and that's my blog. I invite you to read it. All right, moving on. Raise your hand if... If when you think, I left the cat out of that. If when you think of the word discipline, you have a very negative something pop into your mind. Discipline. Yeah, a lot of us. Wow, not very many. What do the rest of you think of? Discipline. Does anybody? Okay, I know it's, what year is it? 2022. That sounds like the Jetsons to me. Like, it's very funny. I, I remember when my teachers in elementary school would say, how old are you going to be in the year 2000? And we'd all be like, old. And now it's 2022. But um, have you ever been spanked? <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. It's 2020. Does anybody remember the sound of pop, 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 pop when your dad felt? <laughs> Do you remember that? So discipline would be... <laughs> about discipline, but some of us, when we think of discipline, we think of that sound, right? Or you think of iPhone is gone for a week, you think car keys gone for a week. You think of something negative when you hear the word discipline. And that actually, honestly, is a thing. And God disciplines us. We could go on a whole nother vein talking about that kind of discipline, but today that is not the kind of discipline we're going to talk about. When we talk about discipline, I want you to think of your dorm room. How many of you live in a dorm? All right. God bless your little home sweet home dorm, right? <laughs> when, I, when Eli and I first started dating, I he is so amazingly clean now, but you know, he was 18 and I was 17. And I remember walking into his dorm and there was like a path 
between. <laughs> Did anybody get that before finals in December? Like there, there's nowhere to sit or stand or do anything because all the clothes, all the books. Like I want you to think of that room. Okay, so everybody, it may not be your dorm room, it may be your apartment, it may be, you might be over that part of your life now, but think when you were a little kid and your room just got so bad, like messier than anything. There are dishes, there's junk, there's, you know, old food, there's wrap, who knows when the last time you did laundry was, like just think the messiest, messiest room you can think. Okay, got it in your mind? Now think about what it feels like when you have just had enough of that room and you decide today's the day. Today's the day, I'm not going out, I'm not doing anything, I'm gonna clean this room. And you clean and you clean, you do all the dishes, you put everything away, you fold your laundry, you put all your books and your homework assignments here, you actually know where things are. Now, are you going with me about how that makes you feel? You're like, I could, I could be the president of the world. Restore order to disorder. And that is what I would like to propose that today's working definition of discipline is. Restoring order to disorder in our minds, in our hearts, and in our spirits. Discipline today only. <laughs> today we're not talking about being in trouble. We're not talking about God punishing us. We're not talking about anything like that. No negative connotation. It's actually a very positive connotation. Restoring order to disorder in our minds, in our hearts, and in our spirits. How many of you could use a little bit more discipline in your life when that's the definition, right? We all could. Okay. Why is discipline important? This is a very good question. Here, um, ooh, I forgot to take that last one off. That was when I was talking to pastors. But we'll, we'll leave it on there anyway. Why is discipline important? Well, the Bible is full of reasons why discipline is important. Both kinds of discipline. The, the one with a little bit of a corrective and this one that we're talking about now. But look what it says in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. I would propose both kinds of discipline. Look what it says again. He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores it leads others astray. And then that last one was for, more for leaders. When we're talking about what are we actually putting into our lives that we're showing other people, we have to be careful as Christian people, what is it that our lives are preaching to everyone around us? Why is discipline important? Because God says so. Here are some good reasons for a disciplined life. Remember, we're talking about restoring order to disorder. Why should we do that? Well, because we will actually know God so much better. We're talking this whole weekend about how can we actually become the dream that God has dreamt for us. And you know, I, I mentioned last night, and it's always fun to me to mention it, where are you going to be in 30 years? That's funny for you to think. Actually, I know where I was 30 years ago. I was probably sitting at a salt, and that's really funny. I, here I am still. 30 years later, but think about that. Where are you going to be in 30 years? Some of you can think of your parents, and that, that might give you a good snapshot of where you're going to be in one sense. Isn't that interesting? What kind of trajectory are we putting ourselves on? If we start walking in this direction, it's really silly to think that 30 years from now we'll be way over here if we start walking this way. We'll actually know God better if we actually implement things into our life to help us know God better. <laughs> Doesn't that make sense? We'll know him more. Why else should we have a disciplined life? Because it brings healing and wholeness into our life. Is anyone anxious? Is anyone scared? Is anyone depressed? Is anyone fearful? Is anyone angry? Is anyone any of those negative things that so many of us are? Well, how are we going to change? God's going to help us, but we have to let him help us. <laughs> it brings healing and wholeness into life. And here's another one. Here's a great reason why we should have a disciplined life. Remember, we're not talking about being in trouble. We're talking about bringing order to disorder in our lives. Because it yields a life of blessing and peace. Nobody ever lays awake at night worrying that they 
nobody ever lays awake at night thinking, oh my gosh, I read the Bible way too much today. Like, you, you never, we never do that. We lay awake at night worrying when we've done other things, right? We lay awake at night worrying when we're letting our lives unravel. When we walk with God and let him bring peace and wholeness into our lives, we, we, we have peace and wholeness. So living a disciplined life brings a lot of peace. Are you guys okay? It is really warm in here, isn't it? Woo! Yes. You okay? Yeah. All right, let's talk about why are we not disciplined. There are some great reasons for this. Because we're surrounded by permissiveness. Everyone all around you is doing whatever they want, whenever they want. Right? And everyone all around you is telling you that you ought to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Every advertisement on TV, does anybody even watch TV anymore? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of changed, so you watch streaming things probably. But everyone everywhere is telling you, do what you want. Why in the world would you not do what you want? And then, of course, we have to sit either with ourselves or our friends who are doing whatever they want and pat them while they weep uncontrollably because doing whatever you want stinks, doesn't it? If you haven't figured that out now, you will soon. We're surrounded by permissiveness. What else keeps us from being disciplined? Well, this is for the, the Pentecostals in the room. We sometimes over-spiritualize this entirely, spontaneity. Like, well, you know, I've got small group tonight. It's Tuesday night, small group, 7 o'clock. It's always Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. But it's at Tuesday night at 6 o'clock every single week. I'm like, ooh, Holy Spirit, what are we going to say? Tonight at small group. Right? We over-spiritualize spontaneity. The Holy Spirit's just going to lead us. When it was actually, I should have been preparing for this all week long. We, that's another reason we're not disciplined. Here's another one. Lots of Christians, even ministers, and this is scary, are okay with compartmentalizing life. Like Thursday night from 7 to 10, I am this way because I'm at Kayaka. Sunday morning from 9 to noon, I am this way because I'm at church. But all the rest of the hours, I'm this other way because, because we're, we're, too many Christians are okay with compartmentalizing spirituality versus the rest of their life. When in fact, it's supposed to be our whole life. <laughs> it's not just a piece of our life when we're walking with God, like Eli was talking about this morning. It's our whole life. He's Lord and Savior. And then the last one, I think is the, the biggest one. Especially for people like you who could be anywhere, and you could be anywhere today. You could be anywhere else but here. But you chose to be here, and you actually paid money to be here, and you drove a long way to be here. This is the most common reason for people like you sitting in a room like this is that we just don't know how. Nobody's ever told us how to be disciplined. How do we restore order to disorder in our minds and in our hearts and in our spirits? And the great news is that's what we're going to talk about today. So that was all the introduction to talk about 12 different things, and we will go through them quickly because we're already 15 minutes in. Let me recommend a book to you, and this is where all of these things come from. It's called The Celebration of Discipline, and it's by a man named Richard Foster. The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, and it is excellent. You will not regret buying this book. And this is where the material that we're going to go through today comes from. So we're going to divide our lives into three different compartments. Our inward life, our outward life, and then our together community life. Okay, so the inward life, the outward life, and a together community life. The first section we're going to talk about is inward disciplines. And remember, oh, you know what? I forgot a big giant thing. Hold on. Back up. When we talk about discipline, it's not just Christians who know this, right? If we want to live for God, Christians know. If we want to live for God, we, we need to try, right? That's an easy way of saying it. But people all over the world know that if you want to be good at something, whatever it is, you have to really put your all into it, right? So think musicians. I mean, Nick is standing up there playing the piano, like, right? Like, he didn't just decide yesterday I think I'll go up there and play the piano, right? He has practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. I bet when he was like eight years old, he, he was staying home from whatever else everybody else was doing, playing the piano. If you want to be a soul,
children. Like Eli said this morning, you don't just sign up for the Marines and then roll out of bed one day and go fight in a war. No, you train and you train and you train, right? If you want to be a great businessman, you don't take seven, six days out of the week off and work only one day. If you want to be great in business, you give it your all. If you want to be an athlete, this is my pictures just because it makes us seem more like, you know, this is our real life. I was a swimmer. Anybody else an athlete? A few of you. I mean, you were all those other things, right? A musician or, or a student. The things that we like to do. My thing was swimming. And I um, I started when I was five, and I swam all, all the way till halfway through college, and it was my thing. Eli mentioned this morning an integration point. I think it was this morning. The thing that your whole life revolves around, and ideally the integration point of our lives is Jesus Christ, right? Like ideally, Jesus is. But for a whole lot of people all over the world, the integration point of their life is something else. For me, for, for the, the first big giant part of my life, it was swimming. And there's a various assortment of pictures. I, I did, the, I mean, hours and hours and hours and hours a day. And all the way up and through high school, it was five hours a day. And then when you get to college, it's more like six or seven hours a day swimming. I swam the mile. You think that sounds like fun? It's, a, it's not fun. Even people that swim the mile don't want to swim the mile. But it's because I have no sprint. <laughs> Anybody else? I can go for a long time, but it's just not going to be very fast. But I can go for a long time. But I'm telling you, I went to bed at 8.30 in high school because I had to get up at 4.30 to go to practice. I, I drained the grease out of the french fries when I went to McDonald's after a swim meet because I wanted to swim faster. I'm trying to paint the picture to you that when people want to do something, they do all kinds of crazy things. Do you see what I'm saying? Does this make sense to you? Is there something in your life that you can relate that to? Okay, this is being disciplined as a Christian. It's our workout. It's what we do. If we're not actually striving towards it, we're falling away from it. So we've got to be careful to put these things into our life. Let me remind us this before we jump in. Being a Christian is not following a list of do's and don'ts. It is not. It is a relationship with Jesus. Being a Christian is a relationship with Jesus, pure and simple. However, being what a follower of Christ does and doesn't do actually matters. We're either going to know him better or we're not. We're either going to let him work in our hearts and our lives or we're not. We're either going to put our all in for Jesus or we're not. And so let's learn how to do it. First are the inward disciplines. These are the things that I do. So let's let's just go with the athletic theme. So we can think, this is our workout as Christians. We don't just do it once every year and think that we're going to be ready for anything that the enemy throws at us, right? I mean, we need to we need to incorporate these things into our life. These are the things that we do in our own life. Nobody is monitoring us. Nobody is going to keep score on this for you. This is you. This is me. These are the things that we do. Nobody sees them as we are doing them. But people notice when we do or don't do them. Okay, let's talk about what they are. The inward disciplines are things like this. Meditation. And that, that honestly has just been hijacked in our, in our 2022 thinking. Meditation as a Christian is not emptying your mind of everything. Meditation as a Christian is filling your mind with God. It's thinking deeply on the things of God. It's letting your mind be renewed by the truth of God. It's what we said last night in Ephesians 5, when Jesus washes our minds with his word. Meditation is thinking deeply on the things of God. Prayer, that we talked about this a little bit last night. Prayer is the, the thing that Christians talk about the most and actually do the least, right? I mean, we all know this to be true. We would be lying <laughs> if we didn't. It's something we've got to incorporate into our life. Jesus Christ frequently went alone to talk with God. He is God, but he even had to go away and spend time talking to God. How much more do we need to do that? It needs to be a daily practice. And we've got to be honest with ourselves. Only Nobody else can do this. Like your mom and dad, even if they are Christians, you're, you're not, I mean, 
you're much too old for anybody to be monitoring this in your life. This is on us. We've got to, we've got to be the ones. Do I pray? And if not, what can I do to start? I mentioned this so quickly last night. But set yourself a little goal. Like even five minutes a day. Like, do it. Get up in the morning or whatever. Go with your natural rhythm at first. Are you a morning person? Are you a night person? Pray. Five minutes a day. And set yourself a, a, a limit of like, I'm going to do it for two weeks. Set yourself up for a win here. I'm going to pray for five minutes a day for two weeks. And then see, can you do it? And if you do, I, I almost can guarantee you that you're going to be hungry for more. Start incorporating these things into your life. Last night I mentioned nobody, well, I've never walked up to the pull-up bar and done any. Even when I was like very good shape college, I couldn't do any pull-ups. It's not a girl thing. Guys, you can do pull-ups. Are there any girls here who can do pull-ups? Because I'm just going to salute you. Well, we went to our girls to the gym when they were in high school, and our older daughter, how many could she do? Seven. I was so impressed. My own child could do seven pull-ups. That is very good, but nobody can do, nobody, except, I don't know, maybe an anomaly kind of guy, can do 20 pull-ups on the first day. Nobody can start praying two hours a day for the rest of their life the first day. It's something we've got to build up. These things are spiritual muscles that we have to actually exercise and grow in. But we can't, don't set yourself up for a fail. Set yourself up for a win. Help yourself. <laughs> be kind to yourself. Don't be the kind of person that sets yourself impossible goals and then is so discouraged when you don't meet them. Give yourself a win. Start small and grow. Start with one pull-up spiritually and grow from there, right? Prayer. Okay, fasting. Nobody, nobody likes to talk about fasting. Fasting is an important thing. If we cannot, well, oftentimes, scripturally, it's talking about food, right? But we can fast all kinds of things. We can fast our phone. We can fast, I, well, that's the only thing I can think of. We can fast, <laughs> we can fast all kinds of things. But um, the point is to remind your flesh that it is not God. That, in fact, God is God. Because I'm just going to say, if we can never tell ourselves not even one time no to a bowl of macaroni and cheese, what are we going to do when the really hard stuff comes? This is a muscle that we have to exercise. We have to exercise the muscle of telling our flesh no. And a really healthy way to do that is fasting. Don't, again, please don't bite off more than you can chew, which is a funny thing to talk about with fasting, but don't, don't set a huge goal. Start small. Fast a meal. Fast a day the first time, and just see what the Lord does as you're offering the sacrifice. We sure sang a lot of songs about sacrifice this morning, didn't we? I thought that was amazing. I don't think that they knew what Eli was going to preach about, but we sing that song, Refiner's Fire, and I actually have to really think when I'm going to sing that song, because whew, that's some powerful words that we're saying to the Lord. Where I burn my burn me. <laughs> but you know what? How else are we going to be conformed into the image of Christ? Suffering is a big part. If you've ever read the New Testament, if you've ever read the whole Bible, suffering is a big part of becoming more like Christ. When we follow him and his suffering, you know, being a Christian doesn't mean nothing bad is ever going to happen to you again. It does not mean that. Nowhere does it say that. In fact, it says exactly the opposite. It says when you start following Jesus, watch, watch, because hard times are going to come. But you know what? The Lord uses, he allows those things in our life, and he uses them to make us like his son. So don't be afraid of them. Don't be angry at God. See what he's telling you. And fasting, one person said it was it was sort of a practicing of suffering. Isn't that interesting? That's a good way to think about it. So incorporating these things into our life on a regular basis. Again, some of these are going to be daily things. I don't think fasting is going to be one of the daily ones. But maybe a little less frequently than that. But certainly meditation and, stuff and prayer. And then the last one, study. I talked about this just a little bit last night. This is the Bible. We need to be people of the word. 
you know, we, um, we're in pretty big danger. Do any of you, did anybody grow up in like a mainline Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, like where you, you sort of still have a liturgy? How many of you grew up saying a creed, like the, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, on a regular basis? That means most of the rest of you did not. And that means a lot of us are in danger of not even knowing what it means to be a Christian. So at the very least, I don't know if a lot of you that went to those mainline churches might have been like me. I can say the creed like almost in my sleep. But when I was saying it, when I was a teenager, it meant nothing to me. But it's still in there. And that's good. And when I met Jesus, oh, those things suddenly began to, to mean a lot to me. What I'm telling you is that we cannot be Christians who don't even know what the Bible says. We cannot be people who are claiming to walk with Jesus and being ignorant of his word. Jesus is the word of God. The word of God is Jesus. And we need to know what he says. We need to know what is truth. We need to be bearers of truth. The world is dying. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's in bad shape. It needs you to know what is true and what is not true. So how do we do that? We study. That means we've got to read the Bible. I said it yesterday. We can't expect our campus pastors, our small group leaders, our preachers at church to just feed us, feed us, feed us. We've got to learn to feed ourselves. So the Bible is incredible. Have you read it? There are some crazy stories in the Bible. People accuse the Bible of being boring. No, it is not boring. It is wild. Like, wow. The Old Testament is full of wow things. And the New Testament is full of such incredible grace and beauty. You just, you need to know what it says. You need to know what Jesus said. Study his word. Get yourself a plan. I, I wish I had thought to bring like a little, you know, semester plan for you, but you can make one online easily. Set yourself a goal. You want to read the whole New Testament. There's Blue Letter Bible. Do you know about that? Find that. They have little study plans that you can, you can generate for yourself. Make a plan and stick to it. Have you ever noticed the, the word, the root of the word disciple is a very interesting root. I mean, that's what we're talking about today. It's the same thing. Discipline. There is actually a, an element of we've got to purposefully, consistently plan how we're going to walk with Jesus. We can't just float through life, you know, letting it happen to us. We have to, to actually put good things in. All right, those are the things that we do. This is our workout. So it needs to be regular basis. These are the practices that we keep. These are our spiritual gym. All right, let's talk about what we do that other people can see. The outward disciplines. These are the things that we practice. Again, it's something we incorporate into our life. But these are the ones that other people can see. Both the other people in our community and also the lost people all around us. They can see this. Okay, so let's hear what these are. Simplicity. What does this mean? We've got all kinds of, like, you know, influencer people that are, that are like, simple life, kind of, you know, very scaled back, modernist, kind of, I'm not talking about architecture. When I talk about simplicity is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to talk about we are Christian people, and what we need is Jesus. And the people around us can see us either being just like everybody else, like more, 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 consuming, 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 or they can see us just needing him. And that's what I'm kind of hinting at here. Simplicity isn't, isn't just a phase that we go through. It's actually being people that don't need all the stuff. Like we don't need the latest thing. We, it, it's going to have implications about our time and our money. Like, when I graduate and get that first paycheck, do you know that you're going to get one of those? Eli and I, we um, got married before we graduated from college, and our parents basically made a sign on, with blood on a piece of paper that we were going to finish our, not really, that we were going to finish our degrees. And so that meant that we had a semester and a summer of zero income. And we, um, we were very simple where <laughs> we been. We would get a giant, like this big bag of chips. It was like $2 back in the day of gross, gross corn chips. And the 
the big pan, like the big pan of Rico's cheese. Even thinking about it makes me want to die right now. Because that was all he ate for a whole semester. And there was a man with our church who had a farm. We live in Huntsville, Texas. It's very rural. And he was so wonderful. Do you guys know about day-old bread like Mrs. Baird's outlet? You know about that? Well, he would go there when it was more than a day old, like when it was too old to be in the day old, and he would fill up the entire back of his van with what they had. You know who it was for? His cows, his cows and his ducks. Like he was going to feed his livestock with this, but he came to our apartment first because we were very poor and he knew it. And he would let us like load out on, on Hostess products. And so we ate Rico's cheese and chips and really old stale donuts. It was so gross. I'm saying this to say, when I got a teaching job in that next year, he, he still had a semester left to go to school, but I got a, I got a teaching job, and they gave us $1,200. This is in 1993, and it was on a check, a paper check, and I brought it home, and we put it on the table, and we just looked at it. <laughs> They are going to give us one of these every month. We're rich. <laughs> we went to a Mexican restaurant and had like the biggest feast of all. It was so funny. But I'm telling you, you're going to get a paycheck one day. And you can do like everybody else. We figured, I'll tell you, we figured out what to do with our $1,200 a month pretty quickly. You, you can be like everybody else and have the fanciest car and the biggest house and the, all the toys, all the gadgets. Or you can have less fancy things and give a lot of money to missions. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what simplicity is about. How do we order our actual life, our spending of time and money that other people see? It's a, it's a ministry and a witness to them. Okay, solitude. There are two types of people in the world. Introverts and extroverts. So, I'm sorry, introverts. This is not your license to be like, woo, no people ever. I, I'm practicing solitude and I'm going into my room now. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Solitude is just being okay with being just you and God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you some fun things. Do you know why 7-Eleven is called 7-Eleven? I love this. This is my favorite thing to talk to your generation. Because it was really revolutionary for a store to be open from 7 in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. It was, nobody had ever heard of such a thing. 7 to 11 was like beyond belief that a store would be open that long. When I was in high school, when Elon and I were in high school, banks closed at 4. They opened at like 10 in the morning, closed at 4 in the afternoon, forget it, on the weekend. This is before ATMs. If you didn't go to the bank during open bank hours, there was no money for you until the bank opened again. TV went off, there were only three channels, and it all went off at midnight, and there was just static. They played the national anthem at midnight, and then it was just static until like six in the morning. Do you know that? There were only three channels, by the way. And you actually had to get up. If you were the youngest like me, you had to get up and walk across and turn it, and wait and see if that's what everybody wanted, and turn it again. I'm saying that solitude used to be a lot easier to practice, because things closed and stopped. There, there were not these things that all of you are holding. I have one too, so I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. This has changed everything. Walmart has changed everything. Cable TV changed everything. Nothing is ever quiet ever again anymore. And it, it's no surprise to me that your generation is so riddled with anxiety. You don't have anywhere to go to get away from it all. It never stops. Do you know that when we were young, nothing was open on Sundays ever? Nothing. Not one restaurant, not one store. I don't maybe 7-Eleven, but I'm not even sure of that. Everything was closed on Sunday. We, we've got to take charge of that now as Christians. We have to be okay with it just being us and God. Solitude means me just with him. And you know you have to make time for this. You have to make time for this. And it doesn't matter our personality type. Extroverts, introverts alike. We need to practice this thing. And our friends around us need to see us practicing this. 
They need to know that there is a place that actually is safe and good and quiet. And it's God. Solitude. Submission. Oh, nobody likes this one. This is a bad one in our minds, but it is actually such a good one. It is so good for me to not be in charge all the time. It's so good for us to have people in our lives that can speak into our lives that we listen to and actually bow our hearts to. Do you have people in your life like that, or are you the king or queen of the universe? We've got to have, first of all, Jesus in our life. We talked about that so much this morning, but submitting our hearts to him. But we need to have people in our lives that we listen to and that our hearts are willing to bow to. It's good for us. It's good for us not to be the boss all the time, right? It's really good for us. Okay, and service. <clears throat> Moving along. You guys are really good at this one. Your generation is very good. The millennials before you were pretty good at it, but you're really good. You care about people. People say all kinds of stuff about your generation. Some of it is true. <laughs> but some of it is wrong. You guys love people, and I think that is so cool. Our generation, we had like PTSD coming behind the hippies, and we didn't even talk to anyone. Like, Generation X is just too stressed out coming from the, behind the hippies. But you guys love people. You lead with that. And this is going to be an incredible way for the world to see who Jesus is as you find needs all around you and meet them. People yell all day long on the internet about what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. This is wrong, this is wrong. Well, how about we stop yelling and just fix some things, right? We can do it. And you are uniquely suited to that because you actually as a cohort, love people and want to help them. How much more so when Jesus is in the midst? You can actually change the world with your service. Look around you, all around you, on your campus, in your house, in your neighborhood, wherever it is, look around you and find what is broken and needs to be fixed and put your hands to it. Practice these things. This is how the world around us knows that Jesus is real and makes us different. Okay, landing the plane here. Corporate disciplines. These are the things that we practice together as a community of believers. These are the things that we practice together as a community. So this is your Chi Alpha group. This is your church. This is whatever body of believers you're a part of. We do these things together regularly, and this is our act of worship to God. This is our working out together. This is how we stay fit. This is how we stay ready for anything. This is how when the enemy throws stuff at us, we don't fall over and give up. This is how we do it. First thing is this, confession. Wow, this is a very biblical principle. Confess your sins one to another. This is a big deal. One of the things that is said about your generation, which actually is a little bit true and you have to be so careful, is that what is projected on this little thing to you is much more real than what the actual you is doing. That's scary. Not, I'm not saying every one of you is guilty of that, but your cohort is, you know, pretty filtered. <laughs> and you, you're stressing yourselves out by trying to be something that looks great on a screen. But um, we all know the, the cognitive dissonance comes because we know I don't really look like that. Like, <laughs> I don't really look like that. I don't have that beautifully smooth skin. I'm almost 50. Like, People my age that do those filters, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't think that's real. But that's, that's what all of us intuitively know. We're not perfect. We do really awful things sometimes. And confession as Christians is a huge part of just being real. It's a huge part of becoming that dream God has for us when we're honest with ourselves and with each other. We're not playing a game. We're not playing a game. We're not pretending I'm perfect, haha. -ha. You know, no, we're really learning to walk with God together. And we help each other. And I'm not saying walk up to some random person that you just met and confess your deepest sin. I'm telling you, people in your, you need to always have people in your life that you can have these honest and open relationships with. One of the worst things about church culture is our good morning, Sunday morning, good morning, how are you? And what do we all say? Hi, I'm good. And really, 10 minutes ago in the car, you were having a screaming match with your family, or you know, last night you were falling.
falling down again with whatever it was. And we just say, I'm fine. And that is not what Christian community is supposed to be. It is supposed to be real walking with God. Not just, not, it's, it's not just me and God. It's me and God, it's you and God, and it's you and me. We, we walk together. We've got to be honest with each other. We've got to be real. Okay, worship. We're pretty good at this one. I won't say much. You guys are really good at, at this one. And, and how powerful it is. Have you brought some friends with you to worship? I remember one time we had a, um, this precious, precious girl from China came to Chi Alpha one night at San Houston State. And she actually came with us on a, a fall retreat, so something a little bit like this. And she was standing in the back weeping because it was worship time and the presence of God was so strongly moving. And most of us are just like, you know, we're, we're worshiping and we're swaying. And this girl is like shaken in her boots because she's never felt what we're, we're all so used to feeling, the presence of God. Worship is a powerful, powerful, powerful witness to people that come around our communities. God moves when we worship together. It's, it's spiritual warfare, if you don't know that. We're pushing things back, and we're, we're taking some ground in hearts and in, in our communities when we worship together. Okay, guidance. Here's a good one. Have you ever had a relationship and it ended in not such a great way. And you're like, gosh, why didn't anybody tell me? And all of your friends are like, really? <laughs> really? Because you never asked. And if we even remotely tried to tell you anything, you were off, off limits. Guidance is a big deal. We can save ourselves and each other from some gigantic, gigantic, like, crashes and burns. If we would just ask each other, let's seek wisdom together. It's good to us and the Holy Spirit, it said in the Bible. People actually, we've got to ask each other. Relationships are one thing. Career paths are another. Giant purchases. I mean, things like that. Eli and I had a, our pastor when we first came to Huntsville was like, I, I don't know, father, grandfather to us. He was such a, he was a mentor to us. He was so amazing in our lives, and we never did anything big without asking for his counsel first, like buy a, buy a car, take out a loan, big things. We've seen so many people do so many regrettable things just because they didn't ask, and, and none of us are going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, you should not, you know, we're not going to just put ourselves, we need to open ourselves up to allow guidance in our lives. We need to go looking for it, we need to ask for it. We need to not just be master and commander of our own life. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit and to our brothers and sisters. Does that make sense? And the last one is celebration. I like this one. Okay, this, the way I like to think about this, are any of you musicians? Did some of you? Yay. So you know how you practice and you practice and you practice, and most of the time, if say you're performing something, maybe you were a pianist and you had a recital. You practice and you practice, and it is so terrible at first, right? Your, your hands are just like, what? What are we doing? And you, you keep on practicing, you keep on doing it, you keep on doing it, until finally that time comes when it's time to sit down and really play. And when we one time went to a recital, actually to watch a, a kid that we knew, it was like a youth summer thing that was happening at San Houston, and we went to watch a particular kid who did not practice, and it was not very good. And then the, the girl that came on, a couple of, of people after her, she walks in, and she's wearing like the beautiful long dress, sits down at that grand piano, and we're in a room that is like brand new, perfectly acoustically sound, like perfect room for the instrument. And she sits down, and her jaw just drops, and your heart falls out, because it is so beautiful, like, Everything comes together just perfectly, and this is celebration. It's when we come together, and it's when we rejoice in what God is doing, and we, we know we, we come together with all of the things we've just talked about as a community of believers, and we just rejoice in the fact God is good. God is good. God is good, and we are on his team, and he is for us.
not against us. And it's coming together with that kind of attitude and that kind of worship and that kind of mindset. And it's powerful. It's powerful. And you want to change your campus? This. This will change your campus. So all of these things, we're going to just kind of recap really quick and then we're out of time. This is how we restore order to disorder in our lives. Do you have disorder in your mind or in your heart or in your spirit? Remember the messy room that we started with. Think of how awful that feels. It feels awful. You can't get anything done. You can't turn anything in. You can't even find what the professor said to do, let alone turn it in. Disorder is terrible. Restoring order is, is such a powerful thing. It, it just changes your entire life when you, are, when you are walking forward every day with these things in your arsenal. You're never taken off guard. When the enemy attacks, you're ready. When terrible things happen to your friends, you're ready to minister because you have been practicing bringing order into your life. When your mom calls you, some of you have moms that don't know Jesus yet. When your mom calls you just crying like she does, you're ready to minister to her. This is how we stay ready. Not only that, this is how we become what God wants us to be. This is it. These things, when we put these things into practice in our lives, we are not going to go down the other path. We're going to go towards him. We're not going to go this way. When you put these things into your life, you're blocking all the other from your, from your life that brings disorder. How about I pray for us? Do you mind? Jesus, we love you. And we're so grateful, God, for saving our souls. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you came and you took the burden of sin and guilt and shame right off of us, God, and you filled us with freedom and love and joy and peace and all of the other amazing, amazing things that you bring. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd help us. God, that you'd help us to walk with you all the days of our life. God, we want to be the 95-year-old grandma or grandpa that's still seeking you, that's still praying, that's still ministering to people around us. Lord, we don't want these to be the golden years of our life. God, we want to every year to keep on getting better and closer to you, God, and more like you want us to be. God, help us. I pray that if, um, if this kind of discipline is difficult for anyone, Lord Jesus, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would just give real courage here. God, that you would give real power here. Lord Jesus, that you would... Um, you would help us to be disciplined, Lord Jesus, that we wouldn't just follow the world or blow around like a cotton ball, Lord Jesus, that we would just walk with you steadily, faithfully, forever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's so hot in here, and I have a voice that puts everyone to sleep. But do you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like to say? I was just curious, what was the name of the book you recommended again? Celebration of Israel.